You're listening to DraftKings Network. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. It's not about the crime you commit. The question is, who do you commit the crime against? Oh. If I lie to my friend, there will be no repercussions. If you lie to your parents, you may get grounded. If you lie in the court of law, you will go to jail. It's the same crime, a lie, but who are you committing the crime against? That is what dictates the severity of the punishment. John Gruden. What's up? Who he commit the crime against that got him punished this severely? What you talking about? Because it wasn't when he said that D. Maurice Smith, the black man, uh, he called him Dumb Morris Smith, Dumb Morris Smith, and had lips the size of Michelin tires. We kind of moved past that one pretty quickly. We he coached after that. Coached the game after the whole game after that. The whole Sunday. game. Entire he coached well. All 60 he, minutes. He coached, he coached after that. Hmm. It wasn't for him sending the topless pictures of the Washington cheerleaders to the old Washington president. It wasn't that because people have unfortunately mistreated women and gotten away with it for far too long in society. I just remember Mm. injustice anywhere is a threat to justice everywhere. All right. That was Emmanuel Acho on FS1. And I am now joined by my fellow metal larkers, Amin Hassan, Tom Haberstroh and Howard Bryant. I'm Kate Fagan. We're here today to talk about everything that has come out of these... NFL email leaks, including John Gruden and Adam Schefter. I mean, I want to toss it to you first. After listening to that sound from Emmanuel on FS1, what was your reaction? I hadn't thought about it, to be honest, in the, in the context that what happened to John Gruden in terms of sanction or pressure to step down was a result of the escalation of this trail of emails that started with some garden variety racism God hunting misogyny and and homophobia, but apparently the biggest phobe you can not be is commissioner phobic, right? The shield phobic, <laughs> and that's where the buck stopped. I, I hadn't thought about it in that regard. I don't know if I agree. It's an interesting theory, but and maybe I, I'm uninformed on this. But the impression that I get is that. Roger Goodell is not a figure who rules through fear. He's not David Stern. I guess is what I'm saying. This is if this is David Stern, I say absolutely. That's why the guy lost his job. You can you can be the racist owner of a team and have your players ogled at, at your house parties, but you can't cross David Stern. I don't get that vibe about Goodell. I I, I I've always thought of him as kind of more of a a lackey of the owners, an employee of the owners. True, what a commissioner should be, right? He represents the interests of ownership. And I think Goodell does that. He takes a lot of bullets on behalf of the owners. I just don't see him being the one who has either the power, the influence, or the wherewithal to force a John Gruden out. And so for me, it's still kind of the content of the emails in an aggregate of all the things that he said. But I'm interested to hear what you guys think because I I had never thought about that theory. Well, there's so much context we're still missing. Before we get specifically to Gruden, just 
650,000 emails supposedly uncovered this trove of emails. And we are now privy to something like 20 to 30 of them. And the ones we're privy to, we don't know why we're privy just to those emails. And that's a huge piece of context that we're missing. I mean, when you look at this 650,000 emails that the NFL has as part of their investigation into Dan Snyder's organization, the Washington football team, this is not even like 1%, right? Like what I think about in this story is if the NFL was behind this leak, which I think it's pretty fair to reasonable to think that the NFL was behind this leak, they clearly had a John Gruden file, right? The John Gruden file that they were going to dump out and from my perspective, it looks like they just essentially said, we're going to force the Raiders' hand here. We're going to drop this little trinket here and see if they're actually, if Mark Davis was going to actually fire John Gruden. Because if you don't fire John Gruden, we got this whole nother thing coming. And I'm curious, like, if that was the mentality or if that was the strategy, then they had to have selected the D. Smith comment, right? They have to have been like, this is going to be the first one we're going to leak out, as opposed to the other ones. And I think thinking about that on what would get him fired first, so we don't have to go through the entire gamut of comments, is that the most inflammable comment in there? Like, I don't know. I don't know why the NFL or whoever's behind these leaks, I'm just going to caveat that now, just to be safe here. Why did they release that one and then hold back the others? Oh, man. Let me just say... One, based on the reaction, I'm not I'm not judging, but I'm just saying based on the reaction, no, the the Demora Smith one wasn't the most inflammatory one. And two, I'm with you, Tom. This is what they want us to look at. What are they telling us to look away from? If he's the sacrifice if he's the one they throw out there, who's in this very narrow, by the way, channel? Because we just talk about Washington football team emails. I'm not talking about league wide emails. So in the in this lane of a sliver of one of 32 ends of communication. This is what they want us to focus on. Because as you said, they chose to leak this and leak that. Well, how much of this is just how much power John Gruden has? Is that when he wasn't immediately fired, if this was a first year head coach who just got the job this season and he was caught using the, those those words, those comments about D. Smith, he's gone, right? Like the players in that locker room, it's not just like, hey, you know, I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt, which is a big part of this story. It's also how much power John Gruden has, not just in their career, but for the rest of time in the NFL. Like John Gruden, when he signed his 10-year, $100 million contract, he was the second highest paid NFL personnel in the NFL, just behind Roger Goodell. The second most guaranteed money in the NFL. And if you're going to come out and say he deserves to be fired, I'm not going to play for this man, I think there are repercussions beyond just I might get cut from this team or I might not play again. Like, I think that is such a big part of this story is that John Gruden was not fired for the initial comments because he's John Gruden. If he's not the top face of the organization of, of the NFL, where is he? Top three? Bill Belichick? Like, how much higher can you get than John Gruden? And that is such a huge power dynamic that I think is the backdrop for why he was not fired or why... Mark Davis was okay with this. It wasn't a fireable offense the first time and why the players did not speak out in order to get him fired. Well, it's been a week. I mean, there's that. I mean, it's not, I mean, to me, one of the things that we always talk about with where we are is the the dots that connect. I mean, it's not just Gruden. If you want to talk about Gruden, sure, let's concentrate on Gruden for now. Sure, he has an enormous amount of power. 
And absolutely, he has um, a level of influence that makes him, he, he has a lot more protection than Brian Flores, let's just say that. But at the same time, I think that it's important to remember that there is an enormous level of acceptable anti-Blackness in this country. And that is the number one first thing, because that was the first shoe that dropped here. And that was your one-off. And it wasn't representative of his character. And the PR folks got all around it. Why? Because you can shit on Black people whenever you want. It is the baseline here. Let's just not forget that, right? And so because it's the baseline, he got to continue on. He got to stay on. And people weren't even saying when they were talking about the emails, what I wanted to know when I was looking at these emails wasn't the, the great giant conspiracy of who leaked it. I don't, I don't know who leaked it. I really would like to concentrate on what we know. We don't know where this is coming from. We don't know what cost John Gruden his job because Mark Davis didn't even want to fire him. This didn't even come from Mark Davis. Right. He stepped down. You know, Gruden quit before <laughs> Gruden resigned before he even probably spoke to Mark Davis. This was a done deal. He was finished. What I was interested in, in that was the casual, acceptable racism that goes on, because let's not forget that this is the baseline of this industry. When we talk about systems and you're talking about all these other things, and let's not forget, you still have the race norming stuff from last month in the NFL. So this is how they're talking. This is the foundation. What I want to know in those 650,000 emails is, did anybody in those emails see the John Gruden chain and say, hey, John, that's kind of fucked up. You know, John, maybe you shouldn't do that. Or, hey, John, what... This is how they talk. This is how they operate. This is the industry. And you have to sit and take it. And everybody has to sit and take it, right? While they sit and laugh at Eric Bieniemy and they sit and laugh at the Fritz Pollard Alliance and the whole thing. This is what you're up against. And anybody who says anything about it is not going to find themselves employed for very long. So that's the first thing. Then you start moving into the other stuff as the shoes start to drop. And obviously... You drop those slurs on the commissioner and your days are probably numbered anyway. But I think the first thing to consider is the baseline of anti-Blackness that we all have to deal with, have to accept. He was going to survive this if he didn't, if, if there was no mm -hmm. extra. He was going to survive it. And yet people want to say to you that you're the one who's always going overboard when we're talking about these issues. This is why people don't advance. A couple of things. What you mentioned about none of but none of the no one responded to hey kind of kind of fucked up what you said there. It, you instantly took me back, Howard, to the Danny Ferry recordings uh, of that scouting meeting where they read uh, an intel report about Luol Deng and said he oh he's like the African who sells you something and is doing something basically shady in the back. And I remember at the time, because at first it was just a report, and then they played the tape, of because it was a conference call. And it was mm -hmm. not just Danny Ferry, it was the assistant GM, it was Scout, and it was ownership on the phone uh, while they're all in the conference room. And the thing that jumped out to me is that, A, Danny didn't couch his language at all. Now, this is just the words of the Scout. I'm just reading a report. He read it like he said, likes to go left. <laughs> Very matter-of-factly, there's nothing untoward about this. And nobody audibly winced or said, ooh, or, and there were, and, and given that you're talking to ownership, I would have thought there would have been someone who jumped up and say, by the way, uh, whoever it was that was on the team at the time, yeah, this is just a report or, you know, 
or just something. I'm not even saying you have to refute the spirit of it, which is fake hustle or whatever they were trying to convey. But you got to at least separate yourself from this language. And they didn't do that. And again, given that it's a work setting, this, these aren't your buddies. This isn't guys over a beer or whatever. You would think doubly so because of the implication of, hey, I could get in trouble for this, lose my job, lose my livelihood. I want to make sure it's very clear that this is not me or what I how I feel. Is the other part, or, <laughs> yeah, exactly. The other part, and this is the part where it gets really, really delicate and complicated, and yet it feels relevant. Because Dave Chappelle a week ago said on his special pretty much what we just said, which is there is a level of anti-blackness that is acceptable that doesn't necessarily apply to other persecuted groups. And people try to call it, you know, Grief Olympics or whatever. But Dave's point always from the beginning, I thought, I felt, was never anti any one of these other persecuted groups. It was a discussion of what white people will tolerate and what they won't. Like their tolerance level for anti-black language is a lot higher at this point in history than anti any other persecuted group. Yeah. And 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 the whys behind that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that it was like when I was saying it's been a week, right? I mean, let's mm -hmm. take the amalgam here. What we're supposed to do is see how all the dots connect. You've got Dave Chappelle, you've got Katie Couric, you've got Ruth Bader mm -hmm. Ginsburg, mm -hmm. and John Gruden in the NFL, all colliding in one place. And to Chappelle's point, I don't. Did everybody see the special, the closer? Yeah. Yep. All right. And sticks and stones before that, right? Dave Chappelle is brilliant and he's a genius. And there's no question about that in my mind. He's got the oratorical skills. He's got the rhetorical skills. He makes his point. He, he takes you to places where you may not have thought. Dave Chappelle failed. That special is horrible. It is horrible. And here's why it's horrible. And what makes it even more horrible was that the point that he's making, the, the kernel of the point is actually relevant to this conversation, to your point. I mean, it's exactly right. that, that white people can check in and check out of their racism whenever they want. And that, you know, and, and, and that is sort of the point he was trying to get at. But the thing that I saw when I was watching that was here was somebody who did not support black people if they were trans or if they were gay. He wasn't an ally to them. What he did in there was he tried to be sound like he was pro-black, but he's a homophobe. And what bothered me about that is that Dave Chappelle is usually, usually such a wonderful offensive comedian. And what I mean by offensive is, is that he's making a point and he's taking you along on this journey and you'll laugh even if you're uncomfortable. All of the things he'll take you along because of his brilliance. But this sounded like payback. That whole special sounded like he sat there. And he watched the, the reaction to sticks and stones mm -hmm. and he was taking his pound of revenge on people. And it was the most defensive I've ever seen Chappelle, where it was like it's like it was like, I'm going to read the comments for two weeks and come back at mm -hmm. you. That's, that's what fair. it that's what it sounded like it, to it, me. It felt like that. It did feel like that at times. And I that wasn't think. brilliant. And here's the worst. Here is the, the biggest sin. The shit wasn't funny. Right. It was like. The world is, you know, some of it was funny. I mean, I had my moments where I left because he's Chappelle, but the kernel of what he was talking about and the root of what he was talking about, 
He was crushing the trans community and the gay community. And he went back and doubled and tripled and quadrupled and shit just wasn't funny. And he never, and the other thing about it, I mean, I'm going to stop it, but the other thing about it too was that he never picked anybody up. You can make the argument that he made, and I agree with some of that argument that, yes, mm-hmm. white people can check in and check out whenever they want. And does, and if those emails of John Gruden don't come back with the other stuff, mm-hmm. does He's he survive this? Does he survive this today. just crushing Demora Smith? 100% he does. He's at practice right now. He's at yeah. practice right now, and everybody's allowing this to happen because, like I said, you can shit on black people whenever you want, right? And not only can you do that, but when you do that, people will immediately rush to your defense and tell you why this is not your character. But this is where I this is exactly where I also saw, you know, reading the Katie Couric stuff. I'm looking at that and I'm thinking the same thing. I'm like, well, mm-hmm. wait a minute. Wait a minute. So Katie Couric comes out and says that RBG, you know, and, and now this brings us back to Kaepernick. You know, when you're talking about the weight, the weight of the entire federal government coming down on him from the president. Now you got the Supreme Court coming down on him when she said that back in 2017. And this is more of a Couric Schefter thing journalistically. Right. Right. What are you doing? What are you doing? I'll tell you what Katie Couric was doing. She was playing Harvey um, Commissioner Gordon to RBG's Harvey Dent. Mm-hmm. And to me, like, this is the thing that Kate, when we were talking about in the last show, when we were talking about the limits of allyship and people have taken RBG and presented her as as this. And it's never not offended me that her, you know, her rebrand has come from a black hip hop dude. Right. And she is this beacon of white womanhood and essentially was saying, be grateful for what you have and that the journalist was willing to protect that. And we're supposed to ride along when she's punching you in the face, too, at a time when there's real sanction against anybody who is taking a stand against policing. And so because she's one of the chosen ones, because she may stand on the right side of issues and because now little kids are, you know, all the good progressive white women are out there dressing up their little kids in Halloween and RBG Mm -hmm. gear that now that she's exempt, she's being protected too, that these institutions protect each other. I'm trying to pull up the exact quotes that were eliminated for the listeners who aren't familiar with this story. Basically, Katie Couric had a sit down with uh, Ruth Bader Ginsburg, the former Supreme Court justice who passed away uh, recently. And, um, It was a wide-ranging interview, but apparently Katie Couric left out some of the more explosive remarks that were made. But put them in her book. But put them in her book. Yeah, well done. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, there's there's some to this story where uh, Katie Couric has a memoir coming out, and there's a lot in her book that is meant to be fodder for social media and to sell books. The thing that I found interesting, aside from what both Howard and Amin you're talking about with RBG and certainly Howard with the rebranding, the kind of hip hop rebranding is that Ruth Bader Ginsburg in 2016 had already apologized for making anti-Kaepernick statements. So the Katie Couric interview, enough was released in it that she was clearly she was clearly condemning Kaepernick and other kneeling players during the national anthem and she had she had apologized for it in 2016. So some of what some of it is confusing to me now that and this obviously can happen very easily in our culture these days where it's as if this is new news to people that RBG had spoken had this, ill yeah, of, exactly. had said this mm-hmm. and now it's as if the whole the whole democrat the whole left wing 
conspiracy was to like keep these opinions of RBGs closeted when they were out in the open. They were they're already out there. And to me, what the reason why I'm connecting these dots is because my point on this is the baseline of anti-blackness that all of this. This is the root and this is the acceptable root. Right. Whether you're her, whether you're Gruden, but whatever. Right. And that this is what you're expected to carry. And this is what you're expected to carry. You are constantly being gaslit that it's not what it is. It's exactly what it looks like. One hundred percent. Now, if we're going to go to the next step and take all of these different things and say, okay, you know, to Chappelle's point, right, that the only reason I mean, you know, his 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 point, his larger point, essentially, is that and he's not talking about Gruden, but the point applies that Gruden got fired because he was talking about uh, the gay community. That's what really got him fired. And that in that community, you know, if it's if he's placing it as a white community can check in and out of whiteness whenever they want. Right. That's his point. I don't know what got John Gruden fired, because once again, we don't know that piece of information to me, you know, to your point earlier about whether or not, you know, Goodell is is the vindictive guy. You know, two things also hit me there. One, those emails released are going to get you fired, point blank. They're going to get you fired. You can ascribe whatever, whatever one is the one that pushes you off the plank. They're going to get you fired. And also you make a lot of enemies when you have a 10 year, hundred million dollar guaranteed job (laughs) as a coach. There's a lot of people who want to see you fall. And if we heard what Keyshawn Johnson said, calling him a fraud and the whole thing, you know, to me, this is tip of the iceberg stuff. And I feel like Kate hasn't really spoken. She's sitting back just waiting to like take a fastball and turn on it. Um, but I feel like there's so much of this, like into Tom's point as well, that it's almost like misdirection. We want you to look over here because there's more there. I don't know because it's just so early. We just have to wait and see how this plays out. But the baseline, this is Al Campanis all over again back in the eighties. Well, you know, how come blacks don't, aren't good swimmers. They lack the buoyancy. They lack the necessities. This is the industry talking. It's the industry talking when John Gruden talks. It's the industry talking when the rest of the email chain lets him talk. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. When I'm reading these Gruden emails and thinking about the impact and what I think it represents, where I continually found myself leaning toward is this concept of generational trauma that exists in sports that I think specifically and potently exists in football. And by generational trauma, I mean coaches passing down from generation to generation their own trauma of having been grown up in a certain sport and the way that they were coached or treated in that specific sport. And I think often of like when I was at Colorado, I remember hearing about the football team being forced to in the early morning to forward roll until someone vomited. Right? Like this was punishment for something. The team had to forward roll until someone's vomiting. Like to just me, one? this is just 
just one person vomiting, right? That was that was the trigger. Ten percent of the team must vomit. So I think about a lot that someone like John Gruden, who we see a glimpse of the words they're willing to use in emails. We don't have on Monday Night Football, the seven years he was on Monday Night Football, or any other video footage of his insides on the outside. But I do think a lot about the energy and the climate within football and within sports where John Gruden, who has been in football for 30 plus, however many years, 40 plus, the energy that he is passing on to his players and to the next generation of coaches is infused with so much of what you read in those emails. And so I think there is a part of this conversation that is about what is football about? And if we're asking this question of why did we learn John Gruden's emails? I think to myself, okay, so he he might be the sacrificial lamb. And I don't mean that he's an innocent lamb, but maybe he's the sacrificial lamb. So it's it's a John Gruden problem rather than, wow, 30% of the emails we looked at had some form of racism, homophobia. I mean, that would be an insanely well, but that's what percentage. We do, you know, yes. but that's what we do. We we will focus on the bad apple and leave the institution intact. That's what we do. We find who's got to go. Donald Sterling's got to go. Donald Sterling's mm-hmm. gone, so we're good now, right? John Gruden's gone, so John Gruden's got to go, so now we're good, right? I mean, this is how this is how this country works. Because the institutions are never to be introspective or reflective enough to reach the sort of change in that, you know, the types of change that we're talking about. And I think that because I think most people don't really want that change. And, you know, I was talking to Bobani about this not too long ago and we were talking about Ben Simmons and we were talking about language and the language of sports, to your point, Kate, the language of sports isn't really homophobic, you know, just like in the military, just like all of it. Come on, ladies, let's go. Right. It's misogynist. It's homophobic. This this is what it is. And the question is going to be, how can you create something new if the language stays the same? And do you want to create something new? This you know, these these types of concepts about strength and weakness and all of this and who's you know, they're all tied into the slurs. Right. This is the shorthand for this business, for all of these businesses. It's actually the shorthand for the culture in general, even when you get out of sports. The fascinating thing for me is it's not limited to men's sports. Like, I don't know if people realize in the WNBA, at least up to last time I worked there was a decade and a half ago or so, but that language was there too. That's the language of sports. That's the language of sports. It's not even the language of men's sports. Like. You have women using this language in well, that Well, they're not creating. I mean, this is the one thing I right, always talk about when right. it comes to when it comes to movies, right? As as much as I, you know, believe in representation and as much as I believe in all of these different concepts, is it really progress except for the individual who gets the job because we are talking about careers here and mm-hmm. we're talking about money and wealth and all those other things. But if you essentially take Iron Man and make Iron Man a woman, but you're telling the exact same stories with the exact mm-hmm. same language, with the exact same outcomes, is that really progress except for the person who got the gig, right? right? I mean, you're telling the, ex- you're reinforcing the same culture. The only difference in the culture is that now you get to be a little bit more of the a ambassador. You get the to be ambassador the ambassador. Or you get to be rich. You get to be, <laughs> you, you get to play along. You get to be part of it in a way that you wouldn't get, you weren't part of it before because you, your position or those roles were not available to you. 
So why wouldn't the WNBA copy the NBA and copy sports? That's the this is the template, right? I mean, go talk to any woman who is climbing in corporate America. You're following the boys. You become one of them. I was watching love. I was rewatching Love and Basketball a couple of weeks ago, and there was a moment. One specific Terrible moment movie. stood out to me. It's awful. <laughs> Phobe. Anybody who trashes love and basketball, they've, they've got issues. But so there's a moment in the first quarter of the movie where on her bedroom wall was Cheryl Miller. This stood out to me because I know hundreds of women's basketball players and I know not a one who grew up with a women's poster on her wall. To the point we're making about the culture of sports yeah. is men's sports. Every women's basketball player I know had posters of Kobe, Steph Curry, you know, if we're going back far enough, Patrick Ewing and, and Jordan. And so this culture of sports, it's set by the NBA and the NFL. And one interesting anecdote that I think relates to, to Gruden here is like, I've gone and spoken on to a lot of athletic departments because of the book, What Made Maddie Run? And I'd say like 30 to 40 of them. Every school I speak to that has a football team and the event is mandatory, it is not mandatory for the football team. And there's a different set of rules and the football team does not need to come to the event. And if they do, they sit in the back and they fuck around the whole time, which is difficult to stomach, not because I'm trying to make a point, but because I know more than any other sport, football needs the conversation of the language that is used with them, the impact on their mental health, the impact of being a football player in America, more than anything, there needs to be fresh air. That's not to say I don't adore the teamwork of football and, you know, the culture of leading men in the best possible way it could be used as opposed to the way that when someone says someone's a leader of men, I kind of cringe because I'm like, a leader of men seems very different to me than just a leader. But John Gruden, to me, embodies this idea. I mean, what is this all about, right? That the, whether it's John Gruden or whomever it is, they're all looking for the next Charles Barkley, right? They're looking for the next John Madden. And they saw Gruden as that guy, you know, who could relate on a certain way that people would be like, yeah, he's entertaining. And now you see the face behind the mask, right? They're, they're trying to find, everyone's trying to find who that star of star ambassador of your sport is going to be. And Gruden looked like, you know, whether it was the Chucky stuff, whether it was the fact that, he, you know, that you had Frank Caliendo out there doing yeah. impersonations of John he's Gruden. He was the, he's, he's the star. star. He's the embodiment of what a real football man is all about. Right. So they're trying to create a character here. And now it's blown up in everyone's face. And now if you go talk to people off the record, if you talk to people at ESPN off the record, you talk to people in the NFL, they'll all tell you, yeah, we know this is who he was. Uh, right? Not according to Mike Tirico and Tony. But Dunn. Mike Tirico don't even say he's black. So listen to Mike Tirico. Yeah, that's, that's true. <laughs> no, Keyshawn has been saying this Keyshawn for called years. him out. Where for years, to though. Be? For I've been years. on... I've been on Keyshawn's radio show in LA when he was in LA and we talked about it on air. It wasn't even kind of a like a, a behind the scenes hush hush thing. So that guy's a fraud. Mm. Like from the, from the forever he's always been like that guy's a fraud. That's why people are like, "Oh, now everyone's coming out the woodwork." Well, like the only person I know for a fact has been calling the guy a fraud was Keyshawn. Cuz he did it on air. So that's the part of me that's like I, I'm not surprised.
Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. The headlines remind us daily, the world is a dangerous place. The elites in charge say everything's fine, stop noticing, but you know better. And your gut knows that time is short to prepare for a world that is four missed meals away from chaos. My Patriot Supply has helped over three million families become more self-reliant and is the company Americans trust to prepare. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure their best-selling three-month emergency food kits. Each contain delicious breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Secure at least one food kit for each family member. For a limited time, save $200, plus get free shipping on all their Ready Hour 3-month emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour Foods. My Patriot Supply also has solar power generators, water filtration units, biomass stoves, heirloom seeds, and critical survival gear. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com One other storyline coming out of this trove of emails was the the release of an Adam Schefter email in which he sent an entire story to the president of the Washington football team and with bylines and everything, an ESPN story. Uh, Before we weigh in on that, I wanted to play a little bit of audio from Sally Jenkins on, on the Dan Levitard show. If you feel conflicted, that's a conflict. You know, if you're trying to define what a conflict is, it's if you feel conflicted in in your duties if you're inclined to pull a punch. And so, you know, that's where I would start broadly. And then more specifically, you know, Adam Schefter is a great reporter. He gets a lot of stuff. He really does. And his sources have a lot of trust in him. And it's a very fine line um, that he walks there. I can understand the impulse to let someone like Bruce Allen, who's in a position to have information, look over something you're writing for the sake of accuracy, but to let him edit it or to show him the whole thing, that's something I would not have done to just turn over an entire piece to somebody. I don't think that that is is really what my bosses would expect of me, and so I would not do it. But I think all of us have certainly shown wording to other people to make sure that we're we're right, that, that we're accurate, that we're not warping something or overstating something. So, I mean, there's a couple things when it comes to this Schefter stuff. One... Is there a specific reason why Adam Schefter's email was leaked or is it just a collateral damage kind of tidbit thrown to the sharks? And two, what do you, what was your reaction when you heard Schefter had done this? Well, I mean, it's it goes the same as our conversation about the Gruden emails. There's 650,000 emails. I'm sure that those aren't the only five that are, you know, bad and everything else was just hey lunch at two is that okay question mark (laughs) there's always a reason why it's in the same way there's always a reason why news is leaked we hear that so and so we hear that Kawhi Leonard and uh, the Spurs have a rift and the Spurs players try to pressure him to play and he wouldn't and that's not in a vacuum these things are leaked for a purpose you take a news story you say okay Regardless of, we're always going to assume the veracity if it comes from a, a reputable source, that they're not, they're not making up news. Okay, 
Who looks bad in this? All right, then I'll tell you who leaked it. It wasn't the guy who looks bad, <laughs> right? It's not Shefty that was leaking this. Hey, by the way, emails are coming out. One of them's mine. He's not doing that. It's someone else who has either an ax to grind or has felt wronged by him or whatever. That's kind of, you know, you tell who leaked it, that's the answer. Deeper than that, though, to me is one of the things where I'm surprised that people are surprised. Really? Yeah. Howard, do you think the newsbreakers, the big time newsbreakers in our industry are there with trench coats and deep hats and talking to the shoeshine boy who heard the GM on the phone mm-hmm. talking about how much he likes them? Like, no. These people are in relationships yep. with front offices, with agents, and and the 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 thirst for the immediacy, right? The thirst to be first on Twitter trumps all of the other journalistic integrities. Maybe. I've heard stories. I'm not saying everybody, but good because then you'd be talking about me, and that's bullshit. Because I'm listening to this, and I'm saying to myself, and Tom, you're a reporter, been on a beat for a long time. What he did is not what we do. Right. It's not what yep. we do now in that position. That may be what they do. Right. You know, because when you get Howard, to that, that level of this is how this, this is this is my question. All three of you guys have have written and have sources and all that stuff. How many of you guys feverishly ran to your laptop to be the first to say that I was uh, he got traded? You guys don't do that because you guys engage in journalism as we've known it for decades. And right now we have this thing that we call but journalism, so Adam this thing Adam that we call news, but he, that's not where, that's not the sandbox he plays in anymore. He plays in a different sandbox, a sandbox where being first on Twitter matters. We're having transactions before three seconds before the next, that matters to these True, people but- and it matters to the news organizations that pay them. And that begins to warp and corrupt the whole thing. They all might've started out with gum shoes and, and full hearts and, and big eyes. Right. But at some point, I don't consider myself a Pollyanna on this. You know what I mean? I'm not looking at this going, Oh my goodness. I, I why can't we go back to the old days? They did the same shit in the old days. Right. It wasn't, they didn't email stuff back then, but the what we're volume. talking about is and the competition was just as fierce back then because you had 10 newspapers in one town and you had morning papers and you had afternoon papers. Competition has always been competition. What we're really talking about here is power. We're talking about who gets to control narratives and what do they always tell us, right? The players come and go, but the front office is always going to be there, right? So you're making a decision of who you're going to align yourself with power-wise. I have read many stories over the phone. I have told them, you know, and if you're a good source of mine, I have one rule. You will not be blindsided by me because this is a business of relationships. And I can't because the next day I can't have my sources call me going, damn, how could you do me like that? Right. So I can call you. I will call you and I will say, Kate Fagan said this, this, this and this. These are the quotes that are said. Do you have a comment? I will say you know, when I was covering technology at the San Jose Mercury News, I was way over my head because we were covering incredibly dense stuff before I got into sports, you know, covering the wave of PCs into the home, right? Trying to explain to the general public what networking is, like what bandwidth is, what upstream and downstream is, all that stuff, really complex stuff. So sometimes you would call somebody at 3Com or you'd call somebody at Cisco, you'd call, you know, somebody over at Apple and you would say, hey, can I read this to you? Does this make sense? Sending an entire story over to be edited is not what we do. And the only way you do that, go ahead, Tom, I was gonna say the only way you do that is when you know that there are certain people in the business you need to curry favor with. I guarantee you he's not sending that stuff to Demora Smith. 
How many times are you sending that stuff to the mm-hmm. union? Power protects power. Whiteness protects whiteness, right? Gender protects gender, right? All of these things, race, class, gender cannot be separated. That's why they can all yuck it up on this stuff. And this is why these things are so damaging. What stood out to me, Howard, was not that he gave the full article to him. They called him editor. Called Mr. him Mr. Editor. Mr. Editor. Mr. <laughs> editor speaks that. to something, I think, which is different. Because, I look, I'm same thing with you with the tech side is covering player health. I'll talk to surgeons. I'll talk to biomechanic, you know, PhDs. And I'm like, I don't know if this is right. So I'll send a paragraph over to a source who I'm quoting. I'm like, am I getting this right? Because it does take a literal, like a PhD to understand all of the mechanics here, right? It's an entirely different thing when you're saying uh, Mr. Editor. And I will say Schefter did uh, issue a a comment and I don't know if it's an apology, but a statement, Uh, but he did not mention the Mr. Editor part. He apologized uh, for handing over the entire article and saying you can edit whatever you see fit. So I want to take it back to the John Gruden email chain, which was populated by uh, John Gruden, Bruce Allen, the president of the Washington football team, Ed Drost, the co-founder of Hooters, okay, who was famous for coming up with the idea that a local bikini contest could drive up the, the sales of their chicken wings, okay? He is the man behind that. Genius, right? The co-founder of who I just I can't get I can't get over the fact of the people that are on this email chain, which is the C level suite of America, right? So Tampa's C level suites of uh, businessmen. Ed Dros, the co-founder of Hooters. Jim McVeigh, yes, the same McVeigh of Sean McVeigh, the, the coach of the Rams. He is the executive who runs the Outback Bowl, who makes a million dollars a year for putting on one game a year. He makes a million dollars a year as the executive behind the Outback Bowl. Then there's Nick Reeder, who's the former CFO of the Bucks, the youngest CFO in the NFL at the time. Uh, He also, in one of the stories that I read, he is contributing to John Gruden's uh, foundation. Do you know what John Gruden's foundation is that appears to be defunct now? Like the website doesn't- Spider-Y Banana. The FFCA. Do you know what the FFCA stands for? The Fired Football Coaches of America. That's John Gruden's foundation. So- they need these, help too. These men are circulating these emails and feeling a comfort zone yeah. in the same way that Schefter is, feels comfortable sending this to the president of one of the football teams, calling him Mr. Editor. They're all white. Yeah. And, and all this, this, kind of, yeah. this kind of ties back to the NWSL story last week. Like, if we want to understand why white coaches get hired and re-fired and rehired and rehired and rehired, it is that email right there. As to why that happens, because that that is a level of involvement that I don't I mean, I'll speak to myself as like a former beat writer of the 76ers as a woman. I couldn't be in the room where it happened most of the time because I can't go out to drinks with guys at night. Right. Like I can't do that. These are I can't do that the way. Yeah. So and I think people need to also under like just to clarify, like what does Adam Schefter get? out of sending Bruce Allen this email. Accuracy. Accuracy, Kate. No, no, no. Sure. Do you know how many, like, I would say dozens of times, I'm sure this has happened to all of us here, people that I want to help with a story, interview, be a source on something, ask at the outset, can I see the story before you publish it? No. And that is a condition of their involvement. And I say, no, you can't. And you lose oftentimes their involvement you lose access to them. Just to clarify for listeners, like, but if you say, 
yes, you can have final proof and make sure that however you're included, it adds up to exactly how you want yourself to look to the public. I will give you that power. Getting access with people becomes a whole lot easier because then it's well, it not does. about trust. That's right. And it's about access. And these are the halls of power of you. I mean, let's also remember the most important part of that story to me is the part of the Schefter story that wasn't in the story, which was the fact that isn't he like an investor in a gambling, you know, in some with the know, Krafts, Robert Kraft thing with Bob Kraft. I mean, this is unbelievable. You know, it's not unbelievable because the very first thing I realized about working at ESPN, like before, when I was at the Washington Post, deciding whether to come to ESPN, the conflicts of interest were very, very, very serious to me. I was like, how can you do your job? How can you write about stuff when your company is the rights holder? To all of these plays, you're supposed to write about these people in our games. You know, th their games are going to be on the network. And so, you know, some of the things that people told me was, well, you know, I've been working here for a dozen years and the editors have never once killed a story. That's not really the point. But this is the environment that you're in. So the thing that you remember first and foremost about working at ESPN, and we've all worked there, is ESPN is not a journalism company. ESPN is a television network that has a journalism wing. And is first. That's exactly a, right. E's first. E is there for a reason. And there's right? no J. And there's no J in ESPN. And so what you're doing is you're trying to navigate a place that respects journalism, but it is not guided primarily by journalism. It is a sports networking program. It's a rights company, right? That is what this company is. And you know, and those rights, I mean, nothing is more important than the NFL. So if you're Adam Schefter and you're in that position, there's no question that you need to be in those rooms. And I guarantee you, you know, there's all kinds of different things that are allowable. Like I remember one time we were at Wimbledon and I don't know what year it was. We we're at Wimbledon and a, a Babolat rep came over and just started handing out shoes to people. And I'm like, holy shit, and rackets, you know, newspapers, you can't accept a gift over $20. And so I went to the company and I said, what is our gift policy? It's like $500. It's like insane. Like you can accept airline tickets from sources at There's ESPN because, because the rules are different. It's just a different place. And I'm not like outing secrets. I mean, it's just how it is. So you realize that, what are you laughing at? I said, there was a policy. <laughs> I started thinking exactly. About There's a policy period, right? There's a policy. <laughs> I, I wanted to know because I'm like, dude's handing me a $300 racket frame. I can't accept this. Can I accept this? And so the answer is yes, you can accept it, but should you have accepted it? No, and I didn't accept it. So because of that, it's the rules are different. The journalistic rules are different. The standards are different. And but to me, the most important thing isn't whether or not Adam Schefter is or is not a reputable journalist. What's important here is who is getting that dispensation? Is Colin Kaepernick getting stories sent to him? I think so. Right. Was Maya Moore getting stories sent to her? I don't think so. Is Demora Smith or Don Fear, you know, are they getting stories sent to them? I don't think so. It's, so, it's in a lot in a lot of ways. It remind it does the implications remind me of the Ray Rice video in that before that everyone was like well I don't know right like what does domestic violence look like you could think whatever you thought it might look like then you see the video and you're like oh that's what domestic violence can look like you can say all I want over the last few years like yeah there's this toxicity in football like I see it at the college level you see it up at the pros hmm like I don't I can't really 
name exactly. I can't prove it to you. Oh, the John Gruden emails. There you go. This is what we're talking about. And in the same way, like with the with the Shefty email, and here I'm calling him Shefty. With the Shefter, <laughs> with the Shefter email, it's do you want to know how things like the NWSL happen? Do you want to know how and why white white men get repeatedly hired? Like there you go. This is the evidence. We're actually showing it to you now. So it's not just like everyone's paranoid that the hierarchy and the patriarchy and the structure is built against them. Like this is actually how this stuff works. Yeah. And people don't care though. People don't care because you showed them that when it came to cops, you know, it was like Rodney King. Well, what happened after the video? Like they will find ways to justify what happened before the video got rolling. Um, There's people are always going to find some way to justify um, their position. Right. Fantasy in their head. Exactly. That fantasy in their head. They well, want it's, this it's movie like, to go. It, it, yeah, it's one of the reasons why we allow people to cheat on their taxes because we don't want to pay our taxes either, right? It's like so if you ain't cheating, you ain't trying, right? So there's all kinds of different ways that people are going to use to justify it. When at the end of the day, the question does remain, right? This is what's happening, and if you have values, you have to have a problem with what's happening. Otherwise, you are an accomplice to this. And there are a lot of accomplices to this, whether you want to admit it or not. And whether, and that's why I kept saying it's been a week. When you start connecting all the dots of this entire week, this thing is dirty. It's really dirty. It's corrupt. It's rooted in all the things, right? I mean, for whatever you want to say about Colin Kaepernick, the bottom line was is that we have known for several years now that the entire weight of his industry and government came down on him. He had no real allies in that regard. And that the people who weren't, you know, people were going to use their influence to destroy this person. So that's valuable. You know, that's important to know. And it's way more important to expect, you know, to understand when you are surprised why systems don't. This is how they become systems. Systems are, what are systems? They're only, they're, they're institutions made up of people. People like John Gruden. This is how they exist. And I think this is passed down from generation to generation. And I don't think it's a, a footnote here that John Gruden is in the NFL partly because his grandfather was a big name in the NFL and his brother was the coach under Bruce Allen. This is a family thing. This is passed down from generation. We talk about culture and what is this you know, canceling, if you even want to call it that, because I, I don't agree with the idea that, that John Gruden is done in football. I don't because this I don't is... I agree that he was canceled. He... Right. Later price for what he did. So I just think when we talk about John Gruden and how he is the scapegoat in the 650,000 emails that he is going to be the sacrificial lamb, I don't think it's going to go anywhere because this is so fundamental and passed down, literally grandfathered in generationally, this, this culture. The Gruden family is one of the biggest families in the sport. And I don't think someone is going to just because we get rid of John Gruden, that this is going to taking away this rotten apple is not going to cure the rotten tree. And I no, think I that think is why the, the 650,000 emails have not been released. Yeah, I don't think that's the I don't, I don't think that's necessarily the intention, though. I think the intention to me, at least, is to look at this, you know, for what it is and then, you know, do what you want with it, obviously. But let's not say it's not what it is. And what is was a close up view at the foundation of another American institution that we are told is somehow virtuous that couldn't be farther from the truth. Amin, Tom, Howard, thanks.
Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.